Support for WXAV 88.3 is being provided by Northwest Community Credit Union, located on campus inside the Graham School of Management. The credit union provides its members with a variety of financial products and services to help them achieve their financial goals. And WCCU offers all-encompassing free financial literacy modules designed to help students understand financial topics as well as make sound financial decisions. For more information, stop in. Visit their website at nwccu.com or call them at 1-800-TO-BE-LONG. Support for WXAV 88.3 FM is being brought to you by Bookies, new and used books. Bookies has two locations, one in Chicago at 10324 Southwestern Avenue and its new location in Homewood at 18109 Dixie Highway. For more information, please visit their website at bookiesbookstores.com. You can also find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is being brought to you by WXAV 88.3 FM and WXAV.com. WXAV, bringing the best podcasts to you. Salutations, listeners, and welcome back to the Player Profiles podcast. I am your host, Jotham Israel, and if you're looking to hear the stories of all the great athletes we have here at St. Xavier University, then I must say, you have come to the right place. All right, so here's the deal. Today's athlete that we're going to be hearing from is Isaac Adams. Hailing from Mackinac, Illinois, he is a thrower on the SXU men's track and field team. I sat down with him, and here's how it went. Isaac, thank you so much for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. It's really cool. So... Uh, let me let me look at this resume real quick. So you do shot put, you do weight throws, you do hammer throws, and discus throws. Yep. So in other words, for those who don't know what that is, this man basically picks up heavy things and yeets them as far as he can. In my opinion, that is probably one of the most entertaining and fun things that I can see in track and field. Just grab and yeet. I like that. I don't know about you, but I like that. So, anyways, let's get serious here. Obviously, it's a little more nuanced than just pick up and throw. There are, you know, processes to, you know, how to throw and how to go as far as you can in terms of uh, throwing. So, uh, we'll start with shot put. What do you think is the key in uh, throwing and shot put? It's definitely consistency. You gotta, you gotta learn the footwork, and you gotta be able to put in the work to throw it as far as you can. Like you gotta really, gotta really put in time during the spin or the rotation, or even the glide. It takes practice upon practice, and you get better at it the more you go. But even when you think you're really good, you still have a lot to learn. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's uh, very similar to the you know other three throws that you do? Shot put's similar to discus in a way, but then hammer and weight are completely different in how you have to work on footwork and training for them. How so? So. In chocolate, you have just one big spin, and then in, like, say you're doing hammer, you have one to maybe four spins in that nine-foot area, and you just got to go as fast as you can with those little spins and hope for the best. So if I'm not mistaken, uh, for some of the throws, there's an area that you can't cross, which is the circle that you were talking about. How, especially when you're in the process of, you know, your spin, how do you make sure that you don't cross that line? It took a lot of practice. Usually in shot put, there's a big toe board. So like when I, let's say I block or try to like I'm throwing and I'm done throwing, I can like turn and put my foot on the like hit my foot on that, and then that'll stop me from going out of circles. That really helps. So 
obviously you can only foul so many times before, you know, it's like, all right, that's, uh, that's about it. But over the past few months, you've, uh, really progressed, especially in this, in this past spring, you sell, you said a few PRs as you, you know, retract that. What do you think is the importance of a PR? Honestly, I just throw it. Like I, I'll, when I go to the meet, I'll pray and hope for the best, but then like, I realized that all the training I've done has led up to that moment in that ring. So like, as soon as I step in the ring, I put on my game face and it's just go time. I just throw it how I've been throwing, throwing it all week. I want to take you back to the start and uh, have you think about, you know, what got you, you know, in the track and field? What made you want to do what you do now on track and field? Honestly, I did extension for football because... I thought football was going to take me to college. And then early on in high school, I realized, like, I don't want to do that because I don't want to hurt my body. And then I got more into throwing after I had surgery on my arm and I was out for football and basketball. So I just got into throwing a lot more that season and it became a lot more fun to, like, get better and better because I knew I could do something with that. So you say you started out with football and then it led you to track. And then when football had its way and passed its course, track became that primary. So I have to ask you, what was that switch like, you know, you know, thinking that, all right, football, it's it, it's it. But then life happens and then you transition to track. What was that transition like for you? It wasn't really that bad. It was kind of cool because like I still had the mindset to be as best as I could be and go as hard as I could in football and just have consistency in the workouts and stuff. It's like just going to track, I had that same mindset. It was a little more fun because like the teammates were like, more happy and giddy, like we could always mess around. But then when it came down to business or meets, it was in the ring, it was just game big, it was go time. Mm. There is a big difference between football and track. Football, it's, people preach that it's the ultimate team sport and all that good stuff. But with, you know, track and especially, you know, with the, uh, the events that you're put up to, um, they are solely individual based. Um, they are based solely on how you throw and how you perform. How do you deal with that mindset? Like, what mindset do you have when you are throwing whatever item you're throwing out there? I don't know, honestly. I just, it is an individual sport, but it's also a team sport. Because there's rankings, like, in teams. Like, all together, we're probably the top 20 in the nation for a throws program. Because we're just getting better and better. So, hopefully, that'll bring it up. But the mindset's still the same, I feel like. Even, if it, even though it's an individual sport... You still have all the coaches and all the teammates, and they'll like help you get better and progress, just like football. So, how do they help you get better? Do you um, do you all like learn from each other? Do you all have like a uh, a certain workout or a certain piece of advice? Like, well, what is it that helps you and your teammates with each other and your certain events and your throws? Uh, when one of us throws, we'll all be watching them, and if they, if we'll all look at different parts of them. Let's say two or three will look how their feet move it, like their foot movement and how they place their upper body. And then we'll be like, hey, you got to fix this or fix that. And like, we'll work with them. And then outside of the ring, we're working on drills with them and we're just helping them get better. As, you know, somebody that, you know, throws, what do you think is the number one thing that you have to do in order to be successful in it? You got to learn not to let the bad throws get to you. Because my favorite thing is for every 10 bad throws, you'll have one good throw. And I've been in a drought for these past few meets. And this week in practice, I've been throwing 
bombs. So it's just a matter of time before I have one good throw and it puts me on plate, puts me ranked. Yeah, because um, in your first meet um, this year at the Windy City Classic, you obviously had a couple of top 10 finishes um, in the rankings when it came to shot putt and when it came to weight throws. Um, what do you think is going to take for you to get back to sort of that that kind of you know top 10 level and maybe go as far as first place or you know at least do the best you can what do you think is it going to take for you to get back to that you know spot I got to work more on my footwork and I got to stay grounded when I throw I got to keep my feet on the ground I can't be jumping and I really have to work on my explosiveness in the weight room with our lifting coach when you actually you know are right there and it's your turn to throw do you feel like any any nerves or are you you know just it's, it's just goal time like what's your mindset as you get ready to throw like do you have any like routines or lucky uh, rituals or anything like that or do you just pick up and throw I feel like a type of serenity like I feel like I'm placed there for a reason and then when I step in that ring I just go up to the toe board I look out as far as I can and I kick the toe board a couple times I go in the back of the circle I throw it up over my head and it just takes over. I don't even have to think about the spin anymore. It just happens naturally. Mm. So things just happen naturally. So explain this to me, because especially for shot putt, you're holding a freaking ball of steel next to your head and you're spinning around and throwing it as far as you can. How in the world do you get so accustomed to that? Thousands of throws. I've probably had close to 5,000 throws in my career, 1,500, maybe 2,000. Here alone, this past week I've had probably close to 100, and it's only Wednesday. It's just thousands of throws. It's the key to consistency, and once you get consistent with learning how to throw it, the spin just becomes a second nature. Like, you don't have to think about it. You just think about how you want it to come off, like how you want it to come off your neck. So it's kind of like a, uh, a physical physics of some sort. How calculated do you think are these, you know, processes of throwing these objects? I would say they're pretty calculated. Like, a lot of people have it measured down in an exact science. Like, the perfect launch angle for it is at 39 degrees. But if you go from, like, 37 to 41 degrees launch angle, it'll be a decent throw. But anything less than that, we consider it flat. Anything higher than that, it goes too high and you won't be able to get enough push on it. So, you know, track and field, I don't know if they um, do this, but... Um do you do you do you know if they like have any like film that that you know you have during your you know throws when you're at events that you can look back on and and uh, learn from? Yeah, so our coach is always filming every day at practice. He's putting film up for us so we can watch it and see how our feet go, where the ball's going, what we need to work on, and then during the meets he'll film us. It'll be like a shortened type of film, but he'll film us and see like come over and tell us what we really need to work on right then and there. And once we fix that, we try to launch them as far as we can. That's interesting. You know, obviously, with you playing football, it's easy to get film. You just had put a camera up somewhere and just watch all the all the guys do what they do. But with track, obviously, it's very, very individualized. How do you think you assess yourself when you're doing film? Like, how many times do you uh, try to make adjustments while watching film? Uh, usually... We get like 10 throws. Each person gets 10 throws in a film or practice. So like I'll look at one throw maybe seven or eight times. And first I'll start at the feet and see if I 
drop my heel or drop my leg on that on my right foot, which is my pivot foot for the spin. And then if I see I do that, I'll watch it again and see how I can fix it. And then I'll go up and up and I'll look at my hips and I'll go to my upper body. And at the end, it goes to my head, placing it. Because if I keep my head straight, I know I'm going to foul the throw. But if I turn it to the left, I know I can probably save the throw. So when you think about why you do track and when you think about you know, the progress that you have made so far uh, this you know, early in, the, in your second year, what do you think is going to be your main goal for this season and your main goal even beyond this season when you're doing these throws? For this season, for shot put, I want to play some conference. Shot put's not my main event, but I want to be good enough to say, hey, I got a medal at conference. And then outdoor when hammer comes, I want to get that school record and I want to get to nationals. That's the goal for this year alone. Mm. And then in the years coming, the goal is to be a national champion in hammer. So how would you um, rank your events, the four of them? Obviously hammer at the top, right? Yep. Hammer would be one. I would put shot put at two, weight throw at three, and then discus at four. Mm. But yeah, I think it's, you know, really cool. And, um, Versatility is also, you know, a big thing to it, you know, helps you with your other events and stuff like that. Very much like how some people feel like football prepares them for track and maybe the other way around and stuff like that. Academically, however, because we are, um, well, not we, you are a student athlete and that's not an easy thing to be um, at, you know, this age. How in the world do you um, handle being a student athlete? It can be tough at times, especially on like two day meets, say we leave Friday and Saturday, I'll have to miss my classes on Friday and like tell my teachers I'll be going for a track meet. And then I'll have to do the makeup work either when I get back before the meet or all during the bus. Cause sometimes the buses have Wi-Fi on them. Mm-hmm. And if not, I have to use my own personal hotspot in order to keep up with the assignments to make sure I don't uh, get behind in the classes. You actually have to do homework on the bus? Yeah. Usually, it, once I put in my headphones on the bus, I just zone out, open my laptop up, and I just get to writing whatever I have to write or doing like math problems or whatever that needs to be done. Wow. On the way to a meet. Yep, and on the way back too. <laughs> that's that's what student athletes are, right? That takes dedication and all that good stuff. So, what are you studying? Last time I checked, it was criminal justice and somewhat of a little bit of sociology. Yeah, I'm looking to... If I like sociology enough, I'm looking to double major in it, which is looking like it's going to be the case. So it'll be a major in criminology and a major in sociology. Mm, So what do you want to do with that later on? I want to get to the FBI, to the Behavioral Analysis Unit in the FBI. Whoa, that's pretty big. When I think of FBI, I just think of like, like, how do I put it? I think of it as a combination of swagger and you know, business being enforced. You know, I, I think of I think of powerful human beings that, you know, find a way to do what's right. What do you what what draws you to want to do that? Um, it started off my senior year. I was looking at going into engineering and then I realized like halfway through, I didn't want to do that at all. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking, my brother's a cop and I was like, that's really cool. Like he can help people. He can he enforces the laws, but his main job is helping people. And I figured if I could help that on help people on a federal level, 
around the nation, I would love that so much. Mm, yeah, because helping people is a very great ability to have. That's um, obviously a very interesting thing, you know, with your, you know, your brother helping out and stuff, uh, being a cop. How inspiring has he been in your life in general? Uh, he was like a, a normal older brother growing up. He was like mean sometimes, but he always, if I ever needed help, I would, he'd be one of the first people to call because I know he would drive the three hours and come up here and help me with whatever I needed. Mm. So I'm very grateful for that. I, I'm very grateful for my family too. And family is a, you know, a very, very strong thing. Uh, but I do have one last question before we go. Um, when you get through with track and you graduate and you do step out into the real world and do what you want to do, what do you think you want your legacy to be here? I want to be able to show people that no matter, I came from a small, so I came from a small town with like 400 people in my high school total. And I want to show people that no matter where you're from, you can make it to a college doing whatever. And you can leave behind like a tradition of consistently see and like work ethic and show people like, this is why I came here. This is why I should be here. This is how I did it. Mm. Mackinac, right? Yep. What do you think is the, uh, one of the best places to go there? Uh, it's about 45 minutes from Illinois State and like that area. So there's, there's a lot of cool restaurants there and a lot of cool like places to visit. There's some nice arcades, but I just love to stay in town, like stay in my house and hang out with my little brother or like go in town and hang out with my cousins. That's probably my favorite thing to do. Yeah. You just made me jealous with that arcade. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I love video games and I love gaming. So. That, that that sounds really appealing. I might actually have to go there. Very small town, huh? Yep. That's a very big attraction. <laughs> they definitely caught my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I lied. I do have one more question. Crap. So you are a Dallas Cowboys fan and a Detroit Pistons fan. Yep. How is that? I mean, I, I, know, I'm, I know I'm one to talk because I'm a Bears fan while being an Orlando Magic fan. But where did that come from? Ever since I was like six or seven, and I saw the old Detroit Pistons logo with the horse, and like Ben Wallace, I just fell in love. I miss it. It was, it was so awesome. Yeah, dude, I miss that logo. Yeah. I miss it so much. When it was on the I just wish, I don't, I don't know if they actually ever did this, but I just wish that there was like an old Pistons jersey, like... The ones when they like the ones they had on when they when when they went teal and and red out of nowhere, and combined the red and blue color scheme that they're known for having with the design of the teal and green the teal and red jersey, it would oh my goodness oh my goodness I have to see if that exists because yeah that that old Pistons logo is like like S tier like that is that is something special it's one of my favorite logos of all time. It just looks that good. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Player Profiles podcast. A special thanks to Isaac Adams for taking the time out of his day to come sit down with me and do this interview. And until next time, so long, everybody. Oh, give me a... (laughs) Go Cougs, baby. Thank you very much for listening to this WXAV 88.3 FM podcast. Be sure to visit our website, wxav.com, for more information on your escape from ordinary radio.